We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contentions. Chapter 7, Section F Simplicity and Plainness at one time, a friend was publicly knowable by his or her outward manner of life, language, manners, dress, and home. Simplicity was considered a testimony to the basic importance of God's leading and our submission to Christ. Being a friend meant living by a specific set of spiritual and practical priorities. The earliest friends did not use terms such as simplicity, or plainness, they merely thought of themselves as being obedient. The scriptures commanded that the kingdom of God be a Christian's highest priority, which meant that one ought not spend time, money, or energy on unnecessary items or occasions. If the kingdom of God was one's highest priority, one would, as a consequence, look, speak, and live quite differently than one's neighbors. Scriptures also had more specific prohibitions, such as a woman wearing jewelry or elaborate hairstyles, or praying or prophesying with her head uncovered, or a man wearing long hair, or praying or prophesying with his head covered. By the early 18th century, friends had specific expectations of what their collective witness to the world required in terms of members' styles of life. The names of pagan deities were not to be used for the days and months, but rather the scriptural usage of naming by number. The use of you for a singular person was discouraged, as it was associated with flattery of those in higher social classes. Instead, the more egalitarian thee and thou were to be used. There were informal but understood standards for clothing and lifestyle. But over the next 150 years, this commitment to plainness disappeared, except among the most conservative of friends. In Quaker history, simplicity and plainness have in different generations received different emphasis. The earliest generation of friends emphasized simplicity in dress and possessions without an emphasis on outward regimented plainness. The earliest friends tended to frown on such outward regimentation as overemphasis on the outward rather than the inward state of one's soul. Later generations up until the 20th century put more emphasis on plain dress as an outward sign of being a people set apart for God. Quaker simplicity has been defined as shining possessions and behaviors that obscure the view of true reality and hinder one's responsiveness to God. Although simplicity has become a stated corporate testimony of friends over the last 100 years, its practical application has been muddled and lost by lack of emphasis on a useful discipline. 
Leaving decisions about simplicity to each friend's individual conscience means essentially there is no longer such a testimony among the great majority of friends. How is plainness different? First, plainness is outwardly distinctive. Plainness outwardly indicates membership in a religious fellowship. This invites a specific kind of interaction with others, although it may discourage some. Second, an individual's plain life manifests the group's message, its conviction as to the practical consequences of seeking the kingdom of God. It is a group example intended to illuminate not only the spiritual importance of simplicity, but the importance of belonging to a spiritually gathered people. Plainness takes more than one person to bear the group's message. Third, plainness can sometimes serve as a hedge, a practical reminder to individuals of their personal commitment to the group's message. Being constantly reminded of one's representative status one may be less likely to yield to certain temptations. When individually defined and adopted, simplicity is not as distinctive, nor does it clearly manifest a message or membership in a particular group. In that case, simplicity does not act as a hedge, since individuals can dress simply one day and ostentatiously the next without anyone remarking that any religious significance is attached. Chapter 7, Section G, Integrity Every choice we make in a day either increases or decreases our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. What we read, buy, and eat, what we wear, and where we work, with whom we share our time, and what we do in our spare time. The care with which we make these decisions is directly related to the care with which we listen for and respond to Christ's Spirit in our lives. Furthermore, many of our choices result in an open witness to other people, even if we do not discuss our decisions with them. For example, the car we drive down the road may become an example for a stranger's choice, as may the clothes we wear. How we spend our money influences other people's income, often directly, as when we purchase locally grown food, eat at a restaurant, or choose leisure activities for which we pay. The fortrightness, honesty, and kindness of our speech affect family members, friends, and also strangers both directly and as an example. Sarcasm, for instance, asserts the opposite of what is true and, in addition to being simply untruthful, often triggers other untruthful comment or leaves the hearer confused and distanced from the speaker. Sarcasm is especially hurtful for children, undermining their natural sincerity. Friends' traditional refusal to take oaths, that is, to give a special sign that the next statement will be true, is based on Jesus' command to say what you mean at all time without subterfuge. Early friends were clear about what helped them to be open and obedient to Christ's direction. Living simply, indeed, plainly, avoiding distractions of waste and popular entertainment, avoiding unnecessary expenses, 
while pursuing occupations that left time and energy for spiritual reflection and involvement in the work of God's kingdom. These were all necessary for avoiding and being desensitized to God's spirit by the vain and corrupt spirit of the world. One cannot live both in the life and time of the world's spirit and in the eternal life and time of God's spirit. Likewise, in our present-day life, many friends feel called by God to pursue occupations and manage economic resources in ways that do not conflict with Christ's commands. Good stewardship of the resources God has provided is another aspect of a life of integrity, of being responsive to God's way and truth in everything we do. Popular entertainment, while in some ways different from that of earlier generations, continues to present distractions from a life of spiritual integrity. Early friends wanted their entire lives to reveal the presence of Christ within them. As they sought to follow Christ's guidance about their outward behavior, they also strove to cultivate and show forth the inward fruits of the Spirit. Friends understood that bearing those fruits into the world would mean the seeds of those fruits would be planted to the great increase of God's kingdom. We can neither receive the Holy Spirit nor bear its fruits when we are full of some other spirit. We cannot be full of love, joy, peace, and patience when we are opinionated, bitter, selfish, ill-tempered, or jealous. These latter are the fruits of being separated from God's will. They are the fruits of a lack of spiritual integrity. By giving them up, we make more space for the Spirit to fill, both within us and within the world outside of us. We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contention. This podcast has presented a portion of the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. The book was assembled and edited by Terry Wallace, Jack and Susan Smith, and Arthur Burke. It was read by Chip Thomas, and the audio edited by the same. The words for our musical introduction are from Margaret Fell's Letter to the King in 1660. They were arranged and sung by Paulette Meyer. To find out more about Paulette's work, go to paulettemeyer.com. That's Paulette. M-E-I-E-R dot com.